On this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam White, Jeb, and Grant, we recap the amazing Furman victory with Jermaine Marshall's heroics, give a little uh, pre-SOCON preview for your SOCON regular season champs, Sanford Bulldogs, and catch you up on every other sport going on right now. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs, and be sure to check out our website, stateofthebulldogs.com. With that, let's kick this thing off. Infield single for Rodriguez today. Fly ball, deep center field. Going back is Edsel, still going back. Look it up, and it is gone over the batter's eye. Goodbye home run, Josh Rodriguez. Todges wants to air it out. Caught, and into the end zone for a touchdown, Kelvin McKnight. Forces it up, off the mark, Marshall the rebound, here comes Sanford. Marshall to the rim, lays it in! Well fellas, it's Monday, it's not a Sunday. Uh, to get to get the day started this morning, I watched the last several seconds of that Furman game, the Jermaine rebound, coast-to-coast layup. It's a great way to start the day, you know, it's a great way to start the day. Mike Grant, how you doing? Doing good. I should have started my day like that. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) That that was smart to start a Monday with that. I'm I'm just mad at myself. I didn't come up with that. But yeah, some good energy. But yeah, doing good. Yeah, ready to go. We watched the whole thing Saturday morning, so it was a great weekend. (laughs) That's awesome. I need to rewatch it tomorrow since both of y'all have already watched. (laughs) I haven't watched the TV copy yet, so I need to go back and watch it again. Honestly. The reason I watched it is because there was so much beef on Twitter, and I was like, I don't like people are making so many claims. Like, I don't think that's right. So I had to go back and rewatch it. I'm sorry. A lot of fake news out there. I'm sorry for pushing that discourse to to your timeline. I'm sorry. (laughs) A lot of conversations. Uh, And we'll get to the firm game in just a minute. But, fellas, around the horn, we got three fun, fun questions. So, first, it has just taken over the national rhetoric at the moment court storming hate it like it uh everyone every talking head in sports media is thinking it's the end of the world and trying to come down as hard as possible on all things fun two of the most extreme examples uh are the basis of our question so first off which is a more effective way to keep kids from storming the court sending them to jail or causing their team to forfeit the game afterwards Mike, we'll start with you. Honestly, I think uh, I think the students would care more about the forfeit than possibility of staying <laughs> not in jail. Uh, um, I think they would probably just laugh at that idea. Sorry, Jay Billis, but you're like you're not gonna. Schools don't have the resources to just hire that many security guards to try to like box them in on the court. You know, it's it's dumb. Uh, forfeiting a game is also extreme, but that would be way more impactful to me. Yeah, these are these are real examples from real people, uh, Grant. Yeah, I'm just laughing before before we start recording. I'm laughing at the thought of just like all oh, these kids running on the court and there's like handcuffs getting like wrapped on their wrapped on their wrists because they're like mid run on the court. But yeah, the, like the discourse around this is com- completely out of control. I'm sure it would be more effective to forfeit the game. You should let everything happen. You're like, oh yeah, you would had too many kids on the court. St. John's can't can't beat UConn or whatever. I mean, come on, yeah. like both. For Jay Billis, okay, he's TV saying we're supposed to say, but for an, an AD like Greg Burnabam to say, yeah, we should just forfeit the game. is <laughs> It's completely how this discourse is completely out of control. He was probably just thinking of the Texas A&M football game a few years ago. Second question. So spring training is here. Baseball, college baseball season's already started, but the pros uh, start here in a couple weeks. Guys, I just want to know, you know, before the season begins, who's winning the World Series? Mike. I'm not a huge MLB fan, not a big baseball fan as is, so I want to say the only team that I know has big names on it. I'm going to go with the L.A. Dodgers. Boo, yeah. but safe pick. Grant? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, you can't really pick anyone else. It's going to yes, be the you, Dodgers. Yes, you can't. There's, when you roll up, other, there's 29 other teams you can pick, Grant. But in the same – only one team has – Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman in the same lineup. I mean, that's just that's just and unfair. And only one team is known for always blowing it in the playoffs, other than the Braves. There are two NL teams that are pros at that. 
which would be pretty incredible if they did. But I mean, it's hard not to pick Game Bales other than the Dodgers. I mean, I, the question's not for me, but I'm sh- you got to go with the Braves. Best player in baseball. Uh, Shohei, sure. But Acuna, I'd prefer. Uh, all right, last question. This is another Twitter. We Guys, we got the Twitter questions coming in. Love this one from Sam Swarchek. Who is your starting five in the SoCon tourney? And, you know, it's a great question because we've watched essentially 10 guys who could all, eight guys who could all make a claim for the starting five. Uh, so going to the SoCon tourney, Grant, who is your starting five? That's a great question because with Jermaine coming back, we get into the and Jaden playing well offensively, and then Dallas in there. You're starting five, probably. You could probably still start Jermaine and move Jade to the bench, but once you get in like the second half, it's not starting five is not going to matter because in Sanford's biggest games, like Dallas Grosiani started almost every game. He played 12 minutes at, against Furman, 12 minutes against Mercer. So in these kind of games where the matchup probably doesn't favor him, it really doesn't matter who starts. It's just a matter of who. Matter of who that closing five is, which would be Ryle and Jaden, Jermaine, AJ, when everybody's healthy in a chore. Okay, so the closing five. I like that. Mike. Yeah, I agree with Grant. I think if we're assuming everybody's healthy and they don't have any type of minutes restriction, because we'll have to see what what's up with the chore chore and AJ. But I think just keeping Dallas in that starting five to put that defensive pressure on the opposing team early in the first half, especially with that full court press is crucial to Buckyball, uh, and then getting Jaden back in there to try to get into the offensive flow as the game progresses. That's that's what I would say. I like it. Just going back to baseball one more second. I do love that Shohei now gets the, uh, the bad playoff juju from Clayton Kershaw. I mean, the Dodgers are cursed. Like, it's not – they could spend another billion dollars and it's still ain't going to happen. Uh, all right, let's get to the Furman game. So obviously we we were a little nervous about about the game. We we predicted that it would be about a one and a half game point spread. Lines op- opens up at eight, I think, and it and it dropped down to about six and a half by tip. I mean, guys, obviously Vegas was thinking we were going to pull away, and then we watched a classic game where uh, about what we expected, right? Came down to the very end. Y'all are both shaking your heads. <laughs> Yeah, because we it's were up possible like explanation. Yeah, yeah. 10 with eight minutes left, I think. Yes, yes. And, and then the they somehow, yes, says my so they basically outscore us by 15 between the eight-minute mark and the one-minute mark. It was an unreal stretch right there. I mean, you, you were sitting there like, wow, we are going to win this game handily. We're not going to have to sweat. And then Piggy just keeps hitting three after three after three. And the logo three with the shot clock winding down. I mean, dang. And he hit one from West Village. Like as soon as that went in, I said, oh, oh gosh, there's, there's no way Sanford's going to find a way to win. Like yeah. if that shot's going in, like every other shot he's put up, it's like, oh, gosh, this can be just like the Furman game last year. We're just a death by a thousand yeah. cuts. PTSD from Mike Bothwell starting the game last year with 18 straight because I think, Grant, you said this, but it was, what, 19 of their last points? Yeah, he had like 20. I want to say it was like 26 of their last 28. Like, it was just absurd how many shots he was making. Like, it was, I really know what to describe it other than just wild to going six of 11 from three. I'm pretty sure he was like five of six in the second half, something like, something like that crazy. Yeah, he didn't really do anything in the first. It was the second where basically he scored 33 points in the dang game. 33 points. He was 6 for 11 from three, 9 for 9 from the line, only committed two turnovers, played basically the entire game, 34 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that was an all-time great performance in SoCon play. He won SoCon Player of the Week, which is impressive, uh, even though they lost that game. But he was really their only player that showed up. I mean – Marcus Foster only had five points in his 31 minutes, went one for seven. And then Alex Williams, the other big name that uh, we've been talking about this year a lot, was did not play that game for violation of team rules of some sort. I'm not really sure what that violation was, but uh, that ended up being a crucial loss for them. He might have gone to class. <laughs> yeah, JP had 33 of the 72. Garrett Heen had 10. PJ Smith at 8. Like I said, Marcus Foster only had five, so just for him, golly. He was obviously the MVP according to Ken Palm of this game, obviously. It's just terrible because 
all the makings of a blowout were there for us. I mean, you have more, as you said, Marcus Foster had five points. Alex Williams is not playing. This is a game. If Sanford had really locked in and we weren't playing the, and the jerseys had any other school name on it. This is a game we win by 15, 20 points. But there's something about Furman. Sam, I completely disagree with you because AJ is not playing. So what? Uh, Chor 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 played two early fouls. He played like two minutes in the second half or to the end of the first half and then was out with a foot injury. We had three true freshmen on the floor for like 10 minutes in the second half. Yeah, we didn't score a whole lot of points in that stretch. No, but I, you know, they didn't completely <laughs> blow it either. So they did not blow it. They, yeah, they I, the, fine. And, and yeah, I get Alex Williams is out, but the lack of our two—that's fair. You know, two starters and yeah. the fact that we got three true freshmen in there trying to hold the fort down. And Jermaine had four fouls like the whole second half. Like the nine-minute mark, yeah. he picked up his fourth, and somehow, for the thank God he didn't get his—he didn't pick up his fifth. But yeah, he picked up his fourth or middle of the second half too. Yeah. So he played it, yeah, eight minutes, right, without getting that last foul? Yeah, before he put the team on his back in the last couple sequences of the game. That was an insane stretch. Just an insane stretch. I mean, the the, the steal, they handed it to him. Handed the ball to him on the inbound. Yeah. I hate to I hate to be that guy, but uh, P.J. Smith. P.J. Smith. We were recruiting him. He was the lead guy, you know. Outside Chattanooga, D2, we were recruiting him. Furman was recruiting him. He goes to Furman. We're all butthurt about it. But three, the last three plays, he made crucial errors that gave us the game. The first yes. was the open Jaden Campbell three. He yes. and Ben Vanderwall got confused on the pick and pop. Or, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Totally and missed it. Jaden Campbell's wide open. Wide and open. Like, no, he just this inbounding the ball. They've got one timeout left, and he decides to try to throw it off Jermaine's feet. And then on Jermaine's runaway layup to end the game, P.J. Smith must have just been confused on where he was because he was between Jermaine and the basket, and he just like jumps out of the way. I think he thought Jermaine was going to kick it out to uh, either Jaden Campbell or uh, – What was uh, that? It was like they didn't want to foul, but at the same time, you just give an easy layup. Like, that's just worse. Jumps out of the way. Yeah. So that felt good. That's a great (laughs) – that is a fantastic point there, Mike. That is not what I – I said I I know what you're going to say. That's not – I was going to say I don't know if Jermaine was really fouled on the the steal and subsequent layup attempt. It looked like a clean-ish block. But there was enough body movement to where we got the whistle. Obviously, it doesn't matter now. But in the moment, I was like, uh, thank you, ref. Yeah. Sam, you sound like a Furman fan. <laughs> Asking for fouls using the hashtag paid refs. I wonder where Sanford okay. gets his budget you know, to pay refs. Thank you, Grant, for bringing that up. The whole okay. Ben Vanderwall timeout deal, if every oh, ref, screenshot? Yeah. If every ref list, uh, watched and listened to every single player's request for a timeout, you know, uh, one guy on the court, the coach should be calling the timeout in an instant like that. Like the ref isn't going to listen to one person out of yeah. the five guys on the court and the one coach, right? I didn't see anyone else calling for a timeout. He, ob- he clearly did. Like we're not saying he didn't. It's very obvious. But the ref's not paying attention to him. Like he's waiting for the ball to get inbounds because obviously they're in a hurry and they were in a hurry getting the ball in. So he's watching that. And he's not looking up in the middle for like, Van Der Waal to call the timeout. The clock has yeah. stopped. Clock stops. For, right. Yeah. Does it stop till you touch the ball? Is that the rule? Yeah. Or does it stop? It stops once down? that ball goes in. Once the ball goes yeah. in, clock is stopped. And they yeah. acted like it was the first half and the clock was just running and we got it. And then they yeah, lobbed the, yeah. the uh, they, they they inbounded yeah. and Richie still didn't call timeout. There was, there was 1.9 seconds when that ball left Piggy's hands. 2.9. Oh, oh well, yeah, when, yeah. when the ball left his hands. Yeah. That's still plenty of time to inbound and set up a play. I, I'm sorry, but that's just bad, bad, poor execution. Nothing on the refs. Yeah, JP had at least two more dribbles to at least get close to half court, have a more of a decent shot putting it up. But like he put that up so quick. It was a gift. Yeah, we... As soon as he that let it go, we talked about the media that... room where it was like, oh gosh, that's online. Like as soon as he let it go, it's like, oh, oh gosh, if this goes in, I'm, we're all about to lose it. But 
we just burn down the Pete and build a new stadium and kick Furman out of the conference at that point. It's cursed. What were you Shout out like? Jermaine Marshall, yeah. Well, I didn't want to go back to the timeout thing, but uh, let's go back. You know, there was a, a view from somebody from Birmingham Sports Twitter page tweeted out a courtside view where you could see Richie, like Richie Wild Jermaine's running down for that layup, and he's kind of just standing there watching. And then the ref on his side is running back towards him when Furman's inbounded the ball. And again, he's just sitting, sitting there watching, not even trying to call a timeout. So it's weird. It's almost like he was in shock, or maybe they, you know, maybe that's what Furman wants to do to try to catch the other team on the run, but did not seem like from a coaching standpoint that he was in a place to call timeout. That's, it's just odd. The whole, that whole last uh, play for Furman was just odd. Um, But I'll take it. I'll take it. It was uh, what I loved watching was the student section. So, Pagis hitting three after three after three, and there's this kid in the front row or second row, and he's just feeling it. I mean, it is personal. This kid has given up on the game. He has given up. It is over. He has accepted defeat. It is fate. And then uh, when Pagis misses the three at the end and Jermaine has the ball and starts going down the court, I mean, everyone is just going nuts. Everyone is going nuts. Uh and then when it actually went in, it, the game wasn't even over. You know, there's still three seconds on the clock, and the ball goes in, and the place is just erupting. Uh, incredible moment. Yeah, and the and after the foul, Jermaine, the steal, the foul, those two free throws. He got over a thousand career points, like making those free throws, and then make the layup after to get over it. Like that's just another crazy ending. Like how did, how can you draw that up? It's like how'd you get your thousand point? Well, there's this whole thing where I stole the ball. <laughs> I got fouled, made free throws, and then I still won us the game by myself after doing that. See, that was awesome. He was holding the ball in the media room, too. I think someone got it and gave it to one of the coaches. He was basically walking in there with the basketball. He said, this is mine. I'm keeping it. Well deserved. <laughs> Put the team yeah. on his back. Yeah. I love that. Um, let's see. Uh, bench points. 30 for Sanford as opposed to 12 for Furman. That's not surprising when we went through their stats and realized they only had one player who decided to shoot the ball that day. Points in the paint, though. Furman had 28. We had 32, so fairly even. Heen was fine. Heen, he was fine. Um, played about as average as he usually plays. And uh, what's interesting is we only shot eight threes in the second half. That feels like way too few, right? Eight three. I mean, we were four for eight, but eight? Yeah, I thought our style of play was different than usual in the second half. We weren't pressing as much, and we're trying to push the da- the ball down low. Yeah. Yeah, and Mike, you said uh, that we went, what was it, maybe 15-minute mark, 12-minute mark. We had the three freshmen lineup. Um, and, look, they're always fun to watch when they're out there because there's obviously a lot of chemistry, especially between Holloway and Walls. Uh, they kind of just know where each other are, which is fun. And Riley, this is what's so fun about Riley is, you know, of all the three, I would say Riley's taken the most step towards looking like a regular conference player. Josh is getting there, and Lucas just hasn't had as much time as the other two, but he will get there. He kind of reminds me uh, of like how raw Jaden Campbell looked about two years ago. Obviously, the kid's athletic, just needs a little more refinement and time on the court. But what I love about Riley is when those three guys are in there, he just looks like a regular starter. And that is going to be so key down the stretch because if a chore doesn't have to play 30 minutes and you can still get that consistent production from down low, I mean, that that right there is a game changer. Um, and who would have thought Riley Allenspock, freshman center, kind of being the X factor for success down the stretch. Yeah, he's definitely had to grow up quick over the last month or so with one with the chores injury too, and then one and then two with the chore uh, f- getting in foul trouble most of the time. Uh, Riley played 20 minutes against Furman. He, the last time he played 20 minutes was January 6th against Citadel when he played 25. When he played 18 and played 18 in another game, but st- still just of him step up in those big moments when Mature is sitting behind the bench and street clothes basically, okay, I'm the guy once I'm in here and this is my time to shine, and he had eight points along with three rebounds or four rebounds, which was a key for Sanford for sure. And he was going against a decent opponent and Garrett Heen. 
yeah. in terms of just size and yeah. being a senior, right? Or fifth year seniors who's been around for a while. And um, I thought he battled him fantastically. True freshman going up against a senior like that. Yeah, and he's crafty. He's like kind of that grizzled veteran who isn't going to wow you at any point of the game, but he's just a solid, uh, solid player for Furman. So, yeah. I, one thing I really like about Riley's game is how controlled he is. Even when, you know, people are bodying and uh, defenses, you know, he's playing hard defense, He's never seems like he's out of control. Uh, a lot of these big guys, sometimes if they get stretched on help or um, or if they're carrying the ball, like so, I don't know. Sometimes the guys just get carried away, and Riley always seems to be in control on offense and on defense. Doesn't always go in, uh, but this game it did. Four for five. I mean, my goodness, kid should have yeah. shot about ten more times. <laughs> I was gonna say if he can get some touch on the ball, yeah, down low. I feel like he gets he gets some bad rolls pretty often, but if he can get some touch yes. on the ball down there, oof, he's going to be dangerous. Well, that was the step a chore took is, right. you know, he, you, he had the finesse game kind of last year, but my God, like this year, he does his little, his little hook sucker. He just needs to teach Riley that, you know, ball start rolling in, take him under his wing. Yeah. He's probably definitely done a lot of that too, teaching him and working him through. Cause he knows he's going to be stepping up big minutes with, because before the season, you obviously obviously thought that Love Day would be the backup, and then Riley's kind of shown early on, said, "No, this is this is my role. I'm I'm going to one who's going to do it and take charge." Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to Love Day when we get to ETSU. I thought he played well uh, in that game, but Grant, you were in the in the press room after the big Furman victory. Let's hear let's hear what Jermaine uh, had to say. Um, I took it personal. I'm like, I put the team on my back. I'm like, if you want to score this best, you got to go through me and. It's, it's hard to go through me. <laughs> uh, I knew we need a big stop, and I stepped up for the team, and the guys trust me to guard their best player, and I guard them. Got to stop. And then, and then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, I grabbed a rebound, and at first I was looking like, see, can I push? I heard Josh, he was running in front of me, he called my name. But I remember one time they was like, man, lay the ball up while I pass it one more to Nate, and he ended up missing three. So he just, some told me, like, just attack, go attack mode, and I see the lane. I just want to lay the ball up. I love. How can you not love Jermaine? I mean, what a dog, right? Yeah. Like you watch that final play on defense for us. He picks up Piggy at the half court line. Yeah. He's like, all right, I got you. And yeah. considering Piggy was the only offensive threat and the only person that could beat us, captain of the team steps up, says, "I got him." Love it. At the game, I was sitting behind the Sanford bench, and of course, we're all standing up at that point. And you got a good view when you're looking to your right of Jermaine, like taking it one on one. He's almost like close enough to the floor where he's about to slap the floor. But I, yeah, by JP, let's go. And should you see the, you could see that look in his eyes. Like, okay, like no one else is going to guard you or get a stop like this. Just going to be like you said, it's my time, and I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to get the stop for our team. And then gets the rebound, and then dribbles all the way down the court. Then splits two guys down low to lay an easy bucket in. I mean, and somehow doesn't get stopped. Yeah, what the? And heck? No one steps in front of him. Just kind of felt like parting of the Red Sea when he's yes. running down the court. Yes. Like, I can. It just felt like it was in slow mo. Yeah. yeah. And Josh is running to the corner, so you got a true freshman out there waiting for the kickout. So basically, when you want to get in front and something, make the freshman have to make the big shot. But no, like nobody stepped in front. He basically just walked ninety four feet to the rim for the layup. Yeah. Unreal. Which I do think that's what PJ Smith was was jumping. Like PJ Smith thought that Jermaine was going to kick it out to um, to the to the key or to the yeah to three. But yeah, either way, they de- yes no you're right, Mike. They were definitely anticipating some kind of dish, not yeah to keep going because it was just yeah the step away was weird. It was. The SoCon script is powerful. I guess he just made a business decision. They're six six. Jermaine Marshall coming through. Nope, I'm not. I'm not getting in front of this. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I'm all good. Thanks. And I don't blame him one bit. He's already embarrassed me once in the last two minutes. I'm. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get called for a blocking foul and one. He makes the layup. And the crowd goes crazy. I'll just. I'll just let him make the layup himself. Yeah. That's a that that press conference that line from Jermaine. I mean, that's kind of what the legends say, right? You know, the the classic saying big time players step up to make big time plays or something like that. That's literally what Jermaine said and what Jermaine did. 
Uh, the other clip, Grant, you have for us is um, kind of how building off of this when Bucky talked about how games like this are going to prepare us uh, for the SOCON tournament and then hopefully the NCAA tournament. But let's hear, let's hear what Bucky said about basketball this time of year. I think that, that when, you, when you get to tournament basketball and you get to the end of the year basketball, it's never going to be just pretty to go get three games. And there's going to be some serious stuff that goes on down the stretch, and you've seen that for years in the SOCON tournament. For example, Furman a couple of years ago was in a good spot to, to in the tournament, and Chattanooga said, no, not us. We're going to come back, and they make you know, a long shot, almost a half-court shot to win the game. Right? We had a, top, a game versus Furman where Quest Glover's going in there to win the game and gets his nose broken in, in the play. I'm not saying it was a foul. They made a big defensive play in that, in that spot. Uh, Slauson came over and blocked a big shot, right? At the end of it, at this time of year, you're not going to get them with tricky plays. You're not gonna, it's not going to happen. Right? I always say tricky players be tricky plays. And uh, tough plays will always be beat by tough players. It's because everybody knows each other's stuff at this time of year. So that's what you got to have is who makes the plays. I know this. They weren't, they weren't absent from making plays, were they? I mean, Pegues came out there and he made just unbelievable play after play. And then our guy comes in there and just says, I'm back, right back at you. It was like a boxing match, you know. So, uh, you know, but to your point, that's what that's what tournament basketball is going to be like. Whoever's going to play in the NCAA tournament is going to win games that way. Pegues was certainly making plays. Uh, you know, one knock on this team has been pretty consistently that we don't have a Pegues, we don't have a – we don't have a Trey Bonham. We don't got a Woolbright. We don't have a uh, McKeel Brown-Jones. We have like four of them. You know what I mean? Like, give me a it's break, people. We different have every game. a plethora <laughs> of guys who can step up. And in this instance, to beat Furman, we had two, Jaden Campbell and Jermaine Marshall. Uh, Jermaine obviously gets all of the you know, praise, but Jaden made the clutch three to put us right back in the game. So – Save me, save me on that. But before we get to ETSU boys, anything else? Anything else about this? Just, I mean, satisfying Furman victory. Gotta praise Rylan Jones for what he did again. Just Mister Consistent. Uh, I feel like, I mean, he he had 17 points. He was the leading scorer, and nobody really talks about him because of you know Jermaine and the big Jaden shot. But just what he did. Uh, to run point and, you know, started the game off with two big threes to go up um, early and split his head open down late and still hit the free throws. So Yeah, what is that just, glue they're putting on? Like, that's nasty. Yeah, that was weird. Right? I wonder if he got stitches. I I don't know. But, yeah, Ryland's stud. I mean, his stat line was did. stupid. Five rebounds, right? That's second on the team. Our point guard had the second most rebounds on the team. Four assists at three steals. No one else had more than one in 17 points. Mike, how have we not talked about him the whole night? I was saying zero. He had one turnover, but just one. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah four to one assist he... turnover ratio. That's pretty good. Take that all day. Yeah, I was just surprised he came back and shut the free throws. Like after falling, like he's like, he got hit. He hit the floor and he's like laying down on the ground and he. He rolls over and the whole crowd sees his face with like like Shane Battier in the playoffs a few years ago. Like blood ran down the crowd, just goes oh like like oh oh no he's actually hurt. Let's get him up real quick. But yeah, for him to do that, get stitched up, and then go make two big free throws. To, I think it was to tie the game at that point. Yep, was pretty impressive. Yeah. Nathan Johnson also made some gritty plays. A guy that doesn't get a whole lot of praise every every game, but someone who's been a very consistent contributor when we've needed him to step up. This was a weird game all around, considering a chore's basic absence uh, from the stat line and uh, AJ not not playing. It's just it's awesome to see the guys step up, um, and that's been the theme all year. So let's get to ETSU, the bloodbath, the almost collapse, and the continued bloodbath. Uh, that's how I watched that game. Very stress free for the most part until ETSU made the little bit of run there in the uh, second half, tightened it up. I think they got it to 12, uh, but then we laid the hammer back down. Never in doubt. Um, just, an, I mean, guys, they shot. This is how wild this game was. So we won by 16 points. They shot 
50% from three in the second half. This is ETSU. At 40% for the game, which is amazing. Uh, but you know what kicked them in the teeth? Their free throw shooting ability. They were 11 for 23. That's so poor. That is so poor. Now, we weren't that much better. We were 12 for 18. We still missed six. Um, but we only shot 38% from three, a little bit, a little bit less. I, you know, honestly, when you look at just the pure stat, like numbers, like the percentages, not the raw numbers, but the percentages, you're like, this game probably wasn't that big of a blowout. Uh, but then you look at the actual numbers. Well, we made 13 threes. We made, uh, 12 free throws. We made 31 baskets 31 baskets we only committed turnovers are kind of even 12 to 15 fouls are 16 to 15 i mean some of these numbers were not would not indicate a blowout but nonetheless i mean we were up by 20 i think at one point what was our largest lead 28 28 oh my goodness yeah first half that's insane so basically all of Jaden campbell's points yes he was unstoppable five for nine from three Five for five from the line, played 32 minutes, only one turnover. Ryland Jones, five assists, two turnovers, five steals, 19 points, four for seven from three. Ryland has to be first team all SOCON, right? It's a difficult position. Yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> okay, I second mean, team all SOCON. Just because there are guys that are stat loading that have – Bigger like single impacts to their team. I think I don't know who. Not. Yeah, I'm trying to They're think. Running. So Honor Huff is probably going to have some nice stats, but he lays some eggs. What other JP Piggy? Oh Piggy, but yeah, he's he not as consistent. He's not as consistent as Ryland Jones has been. Maybe is Kobe Langley the point guard? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think he's been lighting up the stat board. Uh, definitely not Westerns. Uh, point guard certainly not citadel mercer or i mean etsu's guard has been pretty good asamoa i don't know if he plays the one or the two i don't know i mean i could i could see it now that we're kind of going through the guys i could see it but yeah, i think yeah yeah <laughs> probably... you gotta think like purely from his assist to turnover ratio the minutes he yeah. plays because no one else on the team scoring. is getting first team Ryland's like our only hope because think about it. Yeah. Jaden, like when AJ's off, Jaden steps up. When Jaden's off, AJ steps up. Those guys aren't consistent to grab a very highly competitive shooting guard spot. Jermaine's been out for most of the season. A chore, his production's gone down once Jermaine's come back. Um, a chore has a chance. I think he he has a chance. He'll probably yeah, be. There's two. There's the media and the coaches. Uh, is it the media that's like a nine team or a nine player team? Yeah, all the conferences do these dumb things where they're like first team all conference is like seven guys. So yeah. well, we can only play five on the floor at a time. Why do we do this? But I guess it's just for way to. I'm gonna be honest. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with a a chore does have a shot because this January was pretty insane. It was 20. insane. Yes. Yes, twenty points. That big game against Western on national TV. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Be I, cool. I don't mean to take us away from this crazy ETSU game, which was just—I mean, I had a lot of fun watching it. Did, did y'all? Yeah. The first half was very fun. Like even Bucky said, then the, in the media room, like the first half was like a really good. Second half was kind of—I guess we saw the score and kind of oh yeah, slowed down expected. a little bit. But he—he he was really proud of the first half and the way they played. And he was also led off his uh, opening statement talking about Ryland and just how he harkened back to when he was recruiting Ryland out of the portal. It's like how he called, how he called Ryland like 11 o'clock Pacific time was like, Hey, do you want to be at that guy? I got the full quote here. He said, how great would it be if you came here, mm. put a basketball, put a school on the basketball map and accomplish things here at a university that have never been done before. That's being truly great to see Ryland Jones come here and be the head of his team, take Sam for the highest levels. I'm really happy for him. So just for Bucky to say that, while recruiting him and for that to come to fruition, I guess that's got to be pretty cool as a player for your coach to come in and say, okay, we're going to do this. And this is exactly what we did winning the conference outright. Yeah. 
I don't know if it's just the stories that Bucky's like telling the media or what, but some of these recruiting stories are all kind of coming true, which is wild. It's weird. Yeah. That doesn't always happen with no. it definitely doesn't happen with, you know, recruiting high school players. Uh you know, the best part of this ETSU game though, guys, was was not the game, but a few hours after the game when we won and we're watching the results kind of come in like election night and <laughs> You know, UTC falls Great uh, to Citadel, and then we're shout waiting out, on UNC. Sorry, shout out Citadel by the way. Last year they beat Furman to help us tie for the conference, That's and this right. year they beat. And this year they beat Chattanooga to help us hey, win it outright on the same day. So shout dogs out. Dogs respect dogs. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Yeah, set, shout out to Citadel. Yeah. And then we're sitting there. It's UNCG Mercer. I think the. I checked the score. UNCG was up by like 11. So I'm telling myself, ah, whatever. This game's over. We're going to have to beat Citadel on Saturday to clinch. No big deal. And then the game kind of tightens up. And the next time I'm looking at it, Citadel's up 11 with like two minutes to go. And I was like, no way. So, ah, what an incredible night of ba- – of, or incredible day of basketball. It's crazy because you think we've won the conference outright – we could lose the next two games and we're still the one seed, but, but like, we still like, it's still going to be such an entertaining two or, you know, seven days of conference play because we have no idea who we're going to play in the tournament. Okay. Yes. Hold on. Before we get to that, cause yes, that amazing segue, Mike, but we need to do our whammy ad read and then our oh. question. I know. Amazing segue. Uh, if you're a listener of the pod, so close. You, you know Sanford Sports gets us excited. But before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pod of whammy. It is roasted locally in Birmingham, and they always have an incredible assortment of beans from around the world. I also love that they throw in a little mystery toy in every bag. For the perfect start to your morning, you can pair our podcast with a cup of whammy. Just head to whammycoffee.com and order today. All right, so trivia question. This is a good one, boys. Jimmy Tillette. All right, Jimmy Tillette. We're going. We're we're kind of um, you know trying to get some of that that two thousands mojo for this team with this trivia question. So Jimmy Tillette was an assistant coach under Dwayne Rebel at this New Orleans high school. So for those that don't know, as you all think about this, uh, Dwayne coached at Birmingham Southern. Was Bucky's coach at Birmingham Southern is on the current staff at Sanford and had Jimmy freaking Tillette on his staff at this high school in New Orleans. If the basketball world isn't small, I don't know what is. So what high school? It's one of the more well-known uh, sports high schools. Dang, this is tough. This might be the hardest one we've. Um... I'm like, Sam, you're just acting like everybody knows the yeah high school layout in New Orleans. No, like, I, got family I, I, down think, there, I feel like but... everybody knows one. Is it, is it Azador Newman? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, so that's the one. Yeah, that's one everybody knows because Arch, right? That's the only one I know, so that's my guess. So, all right. So, Newman, great guess, Mike. Grant? Yeah, I was going to say Newman. That's that's the only thing I, I could come up with. Yeah, It's not Newman. It's ah. fact Jesuit. Tillette was, was under Rebel at Jesuit High School. So, here's your bonus question. What other Sanford coach also coached Louisiana high school basketball. While we're trying to come up, come up with this, after <laughs> Sanford Tillette did coach six years at Newman after after leaving Sanford. So we were Ooh, hey, that's, close hey, on the year. That's half a point. That's half a point. Yeah. So we started Jesuit with Sanford for 15 years and then went to Newman after. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Mike, you got anything? Benny Seltzer. Yeah, that's what I was getting yeah. Coach Brady. Who Do you know anybody else famous that played at Jesuit? Any sport? Surely they've got some NFL guys. Oh, yeah. they're. Um... I'm sure. I mean, the Mannings were all at Newman. Problem with Jesuit is it's a little hardcore, so it's not everybody's cup of tea. Foster Moreau was a tight end at LSU for a few years. Got drafted in the fourth round yeah, by the Raiders. Played for the Raiders. Yeah. That's a big name. Deion Jones was linebacker for LSU. He was a second-round pick by the Falcons. Uh, Mike White, who's the coach at Georgia, who was at Florida, also went there. Okay. Interesting. And Harry Connick Jr. from Louisiana. That's a great question. Because like Danny's the Tennessee AD, their dad was the Duke AD, I think. Yeah. What a family! Oh yeah, their sister's like the associate AD at SMU. Then Mike White's the coach at Georgia. 
Yeah. Yeah. Our family. No kidding. I think the Mannings are a big sports family. Seriously. It's like you have the Mannings who actually played and then the Whites who had the Whites. Yeah. That's wild. Also, Harry Connick Jr. went to Jesuit, class 85. Okay. That's okay. We're moving on. So, uh, SoCon turned. son went to Furman, just FYI. Okay. We're really moving on now. Um, Will Clark was the first baseman for the Giants. He went there. All right, so Mike, getting back, getting back to your amazing segue. <laughs> that all is uh, yeah. it's uh, no good. Getting back no to your good. amazing segue. SoCon tournament. Talk to us, uh, guys. We have no clue who we're going to be playing. Uh, that's kind of what makes these next two games so fun. Sanford sitting at fourteen and two. We all know that first place outright, first time in school history that we've won the SoCon. We've also, to be fair, have dominated this season, sitting at 25 wins overall. Uh, UNCG and chat are tied for second at 11 and 5. We've beat both of them, 2 0. Furman's at 10 and 6. Western at 9 and 7. Wofford at 8 and 8. Mercer at 7 and 9. ETSU at 6 and 10. So from second, to eighth, there's a one-game differential by each team. And a lot of these teams play each other these next two games. So Western okay. still has to play Furman and Chattanooga. They're currently 0-1 against both of those teams. Um, and that's important because seeding for tiebreakers, uh, the tiebreaker is record against top ranked opponent so for example uh we've got Furman sitting in fourth place at 10 and 6 Western at 9 and 7 uh UNC and Chad at 11 and 5 so if Furman were to move up or down and have a tied record against one of those teams they would move ahead of those teams because um assuming they have a tied head-to-head they would move ahead because they've beaten us. Interesting. They're the only, and then likely, likewise with with Mercer. You know, if Mercer were to try to jump Wofford at eight and eight or bump down to ETSU at six and ten, Mercer's beaten us, so they'd have that tie break, uh, depending on what their head to head record is against that team. So we play eight nine. That's ETSU Citadel at the moment. Currently, ETSU Citadel Citadel is not going to move unless, uh, which they're not going to win their last two games. So. We're going to play the winner of ETSU Citadel, but <laughs> ETSU has somehow managed to go 2-0 against Mercer. So if somehow ETSU snags a game and Mercer doesn't win out, yeah. ETSU jumps Mercer, Ooh. meaning we would have to play Mercer in the second I like round. I like ETSU Citadel much more than Mercer yes, Citadel. Yeah, yeah. Right. And here's the problem. ETSU in their next two games are Citadel and UNC Greensboro. So let's just say they go one and one. Well, Mercer's next two games are Chattanooga and Furman. Oh, brother. So, so we're, it's Citadel they Mercer. Go 0 and 2. It's Citadel so Mercer. All I'm saying, that was a rant. I have a feeling we're most likely to play Mercer in our first game on Saturday. Okay, I'll still take that. Whatever. Uh, four five at the moment. Where does it stand? Who knows? It's still Furman Western. Okay, Furman sitting at ten and six. Western's at nine and seven. But again, it could be UNC Chat depending on how these next two games go. Western, who's at the five has a very tough last two games, having to play Chattanooga and Furman, which they're 0-1 against. In y'all's opinion, who of the four, Furman, Western, UNCG, UTC, who do you want to play? Assuming we get past Mercer. Assuming they get past Citadel. Chat? Chat or Western. Western. Yeah, Chat or Western. Western. I mean, Western will have the player of the year, so I mean, but. I know before, I think literally last week maybe, I said I would like to play anybody but Western because they got the best player in the conference. But yeah, what happened? As time goes on, they got the best player in the conference, and that's it. It's a skeleton crew. It's like the, it's almost like, it's almost like they have become so reliant on Woolbright. They don't even have an identity as a basketball team. But I don't want UTC. I'd rather have you. I'd rather play UNCG than UTC because Bonham and Huff scare me. 
No one on UNCG yeah. scared. I mean, Jones is good, obviously, stud. But we got we can we can beat him. And the Langley twins, whatever. We've been playing them for years. Yeah, Sam, to your point about Western, according to Ken Palm, Woolbright is used on thirty six percent of Western's possessions. That is second in the entire country. Oh my, that's not oh a good gosh. stat. Behind Malik Dia of Belmont, Malik Dia of Belmont is used on thirty seven half percent percent of their possessions. Monterius is used on thirty six percent. The next closest Western guy in that category is Trey Jackson at. 19.8% of possessions. So, yeah, to your point, yes, they have the player of the year, but, yes, those other guys haven't been stepping up like they did earlier in the year. Yeah, that's sure. weird. They got a weird, weird mojo going on in Western. Uh, I'd rather take them. So you would hope Western, if Furman Western are the 4-5, you obviously want Western to beat Furman because you don't – because you want to avoid Furman at all costs, or I want to avoid Furman at all costs. Yeah, no, So it would be sweet sure. if – it would be sweet if Furman found their way to the three line. That way Chattanooga could fall to the four or five. So Furman would be on the other side of the bracket. So Sanford wouldn't see them until the final if they got to that point. And that's fine. I can take Furman on in the final. Not not before. Uh, not before. There's just something, something sneaky about that matchup. If Furman right now is a 13% chance to finish in third and an 81% chance to finish in fourth. So, I mean, it is. you're saying there's a chance. It is possible, but... It is interesting, Mike, that that tie break helps us avoid Furman. The fact that we lost to them gives them some ammo over UNCG and UTC and Western. In a weird way, it's kind of good that we lost to Furman. (laughs) It's such a it's a headache right now. I mean, West like even Wofford at eight and eight. um, Let's let's assume that Western loses their two games to Chat and UNCG. Yeah. So Wofford splits, loses to Sanford, beats VMI. They would then be tied, Wofford and Western, for the five seed. I'd have to check and see what their head-to-head record is against each other. Why? Um, this is going to be then awesome. I know that like Wofford beat Furman, right? So, yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? It would be so fun to keep up with. Yeah, this is great. Um, like we have Wofford and Citadel left on the plate. <sighs> Obviously, love to beat Wofford. I know we'll beat Citadel. It would be a lot of fun if we were texting, but uh, all walk on starting five be a ton of fun. Uh, just you know, Paulie at the points. I loved it. The five exactly. kind of- rest the oh, we didn't give Love Day. We didn't forgot. So Love Day uh, played well against DTS. You got to give him a little love. Um, had some nice blocks. Had yeah. some uh, pretty uh, physical rebounds, um, and just played. Played well overall, so that was, that was good to see. But, yes, a lot of fun to have an all-starting five walk-on squad. Um, not going to happen. Bucky is not one that interested in um, disrespecting the Citadel like that. But yeah, one, please, please hope no, no one else gets hurt. So we'll have to avoid that. And yeah, that's – I forgot my – yeah, yeah. You can't – you can try as yeah. much as you can or want, but – yeah. That poses the question, how do we approach these two games? Like, I don't think you, I think you let off the gas in terms of minutes. I don't think you let off the gas in terms of intensity. I yeah, think there's just was, more spread out. I don't think anybody I don't think any of the core seven dudes goes more than twenty minutes, if I had to bet. Yeah. I think that's like that's the big trick is how do you keep the intensity up while keeping yeah, you know, stick the freshman uh, in there. You live with the turnovers, yeah, but love the energy. That's true. You know, these guys are yeah. young; they're healthy. They can go. They're energizer they can go bunnies out there. Yeah, because if you rest them too much, then you play some Saturday, and then you don't play again until the following Saturday. So you don't want to have that long of a break it's for a guys to not get in the rhythm. But yeah, there's Sam. I agree with you on the minutes of restriction. Keep everybody under twenty, and just let the let the freshman get the bulk of the minutes, and let them get that road experience, especially at Walford. I mean, Bucky said it after the ETSU game. He said we were just fresh. That's going to be the key. I think I'm not worried about being cold as I am about being tired. So Saturday, March 9th is kind of circled as we better be fresh because it's going to be a slog until the 11th. Every game is going to be insane. We're not going to win by 15 points, even if we play – well, if we play Citadel – if we play ETSC, we might win by 15 in that first game. But if we play Mercer, we ain't winning by 15. Um, so we'll see. All right, so let's get to State of the Bulldogs, guys. We got a lot 
lot, lot going on on campus. Uh, we got spring practice starting up in a couple weeks, which will be fun. Grant, you're going to be uh, able to go to any practices, do a little scouting on our QB battle. That's a great question. Now that you bring that up, I probably should, right? Heck yeah. We need yeah. some eyes on the field. We've got to see how good this Utah kid is. We got to see how much of a jump Quincy's made. All eyes are on QB. We can worry about the other positions later. Yeah, Andrew's going to step up for guys like Chandler Smith, Michael Hires. Who's going to be those new leaders for this team uh, coming up this fall? We'll, we'll have plenty of weapons. That I'm not worried it's the about. The Brandon Jenkins show. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in other football news, Alabama hired away the uh, crux and founder of the Samson program. Uh, he they hired away head strength coach. Zach Mathers. Big loss for the program. Uh, hopefully Zach has a young protege who is ready to step up. I don't think we've announced who is going to be the head strength coach, but that news will have to come shortly. I mean, spring practice is underway. We're about to be underway. Uh, spring is kicked off, so that's position of need immediately. Oh, and the, and the new defense with the new D.C., how does that start gelling in the spring and – Getting over to summer and fall practice too. That's another. That's another thing to watch out for. Yeah, and how intense is he going to be during spring practice? Is he going to be kind of one of those new coaches that comes in and wants to just get a lay of the land, or is he just going to start laying into dudes who he just met yesterday? We'll see. Grant, you're, you'll be our eyes and ears, baby. All right, let's do it. Let's yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, all right, so heading on to the sports that are ongoing, women's basketball. So we were a little tepid about the two games against Wofford and Furman. Uh, last week, but guys, we won. We're on a three-game win streak. We're on a heater, baby. We got uh, two games left, or one game left, before the SoCon tournament. And shout-out to Emily Bowman, who broke two records during the Furman game. First was a single-game record of rebounds. She had 19 rebounds in the game. 19. She might as well have been the glass. And then single-season block record, 72. Guys, I did not know that, one, I should have been looking at the stats a little bit closer. I didn't know we had anybody on pace for breaking a block record, but 72 is insane. So, shout out to Emily Bowman, absolute stud down low. Uh, And women's basketball, you know, kind of peaking at the right time. UTC lost, their 13-game win streak was snapped. You never know what can happen come tournament time. Uh, Mike, talk about tennis. Ooh, tennis is heating up. <laughs> Stanford, uh, the men's team on a three-game win streak with hey. wins at Southern versus Southern Miss versus Birmingham Southern and then at Belmont. We did sweep Southern Miss and Birmingham Southern and then went 4-3 against Belmont here in Nashville. Uh, so that closes out non-conference play. We've got UNCG coming up on March 3rd and – from here on out, it will be you – know, we've got a couple non-SOCON teams in there, uh, unless like Presbyterians is not a SOCON tennis team, are they? I don't know. There may be some weird SOCON yeah. tennis teams. I don't, I'm you not sure. Know. Yeah, but overall, men's tennis is sitting at 6-4, and 5-0 uh, and oh at home. And then women's That's tennis, uh, not as great the last couple games. We have lost three in a row at Memphis, at UAB, and at South Alabama. Dang. So the women are sitting at three and five overall, uh, three and one home record. So we're all, so the consensus there is we're better at home. Five and oh for the guys, three and one for the women. How could you not be with that sleek indoor <laughs> outdoor facility we've got out there? It's nice. It is pretty nice. It is yeah, nice. it is pretty nice. Uh, Baseball, we were all really excited after the first start of the season. We were 3-0, then beat Jacksonville State, headed down to Orlando. We were complaining that we couldn't listen to it, couldn't watch it. Well, let's just be glad. We got our teeth kicked in, could not stop a nosebleed. It seemed like everything from errors to bad pitching. They scored 18 runs in the first game. 12 or 13 in the last game. The only one we had a chance in was the Saturday game where we took an – John Anderson – John Anderson seemed just reading the highlights of, or the tweets uh, as each game progressed seemed like the MVP for us, always keeping us relatively in it as much as you can be. But especially in that game too, I think he had to go ahead 
home run or had a go-ahead RBI. Uh, but we obviously gave up that lead, I think, the very next half inning. Uh, I think we took the lead in the eighth and then gave it up in the eighth. So we got swept. We have we will have played Auburn by the time this thing drops. Auburn is top 20 in the nation. Would be awesome to win. You never know. It's a midweek. You never know what could happen. Uh, rankings do not matter in the middle of the week. So hopefully the dogs pulled that one out. And then we have a series that we should sweep coming up this weekend. Bellarmine, kind of a get-right series. Obviously no guarantees. But my goodness, the guys better, especially on the pitching and defensive side, better freaking step up. Uh, and play respectable baseball this weekend. Uh, softball. Sam, Sam and UCF this past weekend had two had one dude hit a grand slam on Saturday and Sunday. That's insane. Just, just, just wild. That is, I hate that. I the worst thing is to watch an opponent hit more than one grand slam. It reminds me of the Red Sox Astros ALCS. May have been ALDS, but they hit two or three grand slams in that series. Uh, it's just disrespectful. You don't. You cannot let it happen. It happens once. Respect you Respect the game. You, Respect the game. You, you hit the guy next time up and just give up the run and next batter out. Like you cannot let a guy hit multiple grand slams. Softball. We're two and eleven. Terrible start. Uh, but silver lining. We just kicked the crap out of Southern Miss. Beat them sixteen to nothing. The bats finally came alive. We had not scored. It was almost like we were just rolling out there to pitch and then not sending anyone to the plate to hit. But the bats have come alive. There's some some hope in a dismal start of the season. So hopefully, 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 uh, softball gets back on track. But we did lose outfielder Abigail Dorsett uh, to a season-ending injury. So someone's got to step up. We'll see. You know, with a lot of hype coming into this season, thought we might take a step forward. So far, that has not happened. Uh, even our most consistent pitcher McKenzie struggling right now. So the team they got to they got to cho- they got to decide that this Southern Miss game uh, is the turning point and start and start playing better. There's still hope though. Still a long way to go in the season. Yeah, it's all about SoCon play. Just getting prepared for that. Exactly, exactly. It's just a warm up, baby. Uh, Grant, bring it home with track. So we kind of have a Sanford indoor track and field dynasty going right now. They won their. <laughs> Fifth straight sweep at the indoor track and field championships, the men and women. Individually, Sanford student athletes claimed 10 individual, 10 individual titles and won the men's and women's 4 by 400 relays. That is wild. Had one, had one athlete, Kagan Campbell, won the Heath Widow Award as the men's most, most outstanding athlete. He won the men's 200 meter, the men's 400, and then anchored the 4 by 400 relay. Any of these guys want to go play on the football team? That is a great question. Unfortunately... Kagan Campbell is a graduate student, so he'll be out of eligibility after the season. But going back to the men's – yeah, go ahead. Well, this is a quick aside. Is the next domino to fall eligibility rules? If we can pay players to play, can we just ignore eligibility? That would be sick. That would be awesome. All right, continue, Greg. Talk about the dynasty, baby. Uh, going to the men's results, Sanford was in first place at 188 points. Second place was Western at 121.5, so a complete, complete blowout wow. there on the men's side. And then the women's side, the women's team had 160 and a half points and Wofford had 117. So again, just just two blowouts in the team standings on both sides. That's wild. So, so Sanford with their fifth straight indoor title, they'll head to the indoor championship in Boston in a couple of weeks, March 8th and 9th. So we'll see how, how well they fare there. But again, we kind of got a track and field dynasty going on trying to match the soccer team who had that stretch of nine straight seasons winning a SoCon title. I love it. That's awesome. But seriously, we need some of those athletes to uh, pitch in on other other teams if they're that elite. My goodness! Uh, all right, guys. Anything else? That was we got had to get through a lot there. A lot happened this week. Big week for Sanford sports. I mean, I'm going to watch that Jermaine highlight a couple times. I hope I've edited the intro by this point, but that the the Jermaine layup will be in the new intro. Haven't decided. It's good. Yeah, it's haven't good. decided if I'm going to have a new beat. There's not a lot of generic good beats out there that are not licensed, but if you have one, you know. Uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to make one for us, yeah, yeah. If anybody out there wants to make a beat, we are open arms over here. Okay, our DMs are wide. Our open. DMs are open. Yeah, but also questions. If you have any more questions, we got back to back weeks. Let's keep the trend going. Let's see keep, if we get one more question. Exactly. In. Love the questions. Keep them coming, uh, guys. 
like I said, hopefully we beat Auburn this this Tuesday, this past Tuesday, yesterday. And um, hopefully we kick the teeth out of Citadel and destroy Wofford. So let's keep the good times rolling in basketball, softball, let's pick it up. Baseball, let's pick it up as well. And let's keep uh, let's keep the uh, the spirits high as the spring sports kick off. But with that, State of the Bulldogs are out. Hey, you already know. You know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.